In the book of Luke, chapter 2, we come across some of the most famous characters in the Nativity, the shepherds. They're only in the book of Luke for 12 verses. They're not in any of the other three Gospels at all. We know very little about them. But although they're in the Bible very briefly, their story is very powerful. Being a shepherd was one of the worst jobs in Israelite society. Shepherds were regarded as being one rung up the ladder above slaves. And yet, God chose to tell the news of the birth of Jesus to shepherds of all people. He chose the humblest people he could possibly find. What do we know about the shepherds? Well, we don't know their names for a start, but they were tough men. They spent the night sleeping out on the hillsides above Bethlehem in the cold, cold weather. In October, when Jesus was probably born, not, not December, there would have been frost on the ground. So it would have been cold, but these shepherds, they were out all night, every night, looking after the sheep. This one particular night, they were bathed in a huge flash of light and an angel stood in front of them, dazzling them and blinding them. What on earth were they thought was going on? It was absolutely mind-blowing. When the angel appeared, these tough men used to sleeping out on the hillside were absolutely terrified. The Bible actually says they were terrified. But although they were scared stiff, they didn't let their fear overcome them. They overcame their fear. That was important. Being frightened is a common uh, feeling, common emotion. We all experience fear. Fear of spiders, snakes, heights, flying, all sorts of things make us frightened. But what's important is how you deal with your fear. And these shepherds, they overcame their fear. The angels told them they had to go down into the town of Bethlehem because Jesus was born. The Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one, he was there down in the town just below them and they had to go down. So what did they do? They said, let's go to Bethlehem and see what has happened. And that's exactly what they did. Because the angels had told them, I bring you tidings of great joy for you and all mankind. Great joy. Wow, you couldn't get any better news than that. They were thrilled. And it wasn't just for anybody. It was for them in particular. They were the first to receive the message. So that's what they did. They went down into the town. These, these men were obedient. The angel said, go down into the town. So down into the town they went. They, they had faith. And their faith brought them hope. And their hope led them down into the town of Bethlehem. They were convinced that their lives would never be the same again. Things could only get better. They had good news, the great news, the best news they could ever have. The shepherds had hope, and that's what galvanised them. Hope plus their faith. The shepherds couldn't have received a better bit of news than the news that the Son of God had been born in the town below them. All they had to do was to go down and find him. So they put their belief into action. The shepherds were above all obedient. 
They obeyed the angel who told them to go and find a baby wrapped in clothes in a manger. The, the angel expected him to go, and off they went. They went down into Bethlehem and did what God wanted them to do. God often chooses people who are the most unlikely, not people you and I would choose. But when God chooses people, he always seems to make the right choice, the right people, in the right place, at the right time. The angel had appeared, and so did a whole crowd of other angels, to tell the message of the good news. And who did he tell? Not the rich, or the privileged, the well-off, the well-educated, the well-schooled. No, none of those. He chose to tell poor, humble, simple folk. People who would receive the message with open hearts and with open minds. The angels were sent to people at the bottom of Israelite society. God chose people who would listen to the message, not people who would treat it with scorn and cynicism and dismay. In the Gospels, we hear of the wise men, the kings, the magi. The wise men, they had to figure it all out as to what the star meant. And then they had to travel thousands of miles across tough terrain until they eventually came to Bethlehem in Israel. But the shepherds, wow, they were given a personal message just for them. They didn't need to do much at all, just believe and go down the hill. To reinforce the message, the great company of angels came along and told them. So they were in no doubt nobody had had a four-star invitation like these, these shepherds. Tremendous stuff. And what do we notice about them? Well... Another thing they did, apart from being obedient, was they did something different. They did something that no one else had ever done before and no one else has done since. It was to tell people that the Messiah had just been born. Something completely new and different. In his novel, Crime and Punishment, the great Russian writer Fyodor Dostoevsky says... What are people most afraid of? Change. Doing something new. That's what really scares them. Well, we get scared by lots of things that are new and different. We don't like change. We like things to stay as they are. Things to keep us comfortable. We're happy and content. What do we say? Oh, I'm out of my comfort zone. It's something we don't really like. But the shepherds... They grasped change with both hands. They couldn't wait to go and do what the angel had told them. When I reread this passage, which I read many times before, when I came to verses 17 to 20, something dawned on me that I hadn't really realised before. And it was that the shepherds were actually the very first Christian evangelists. Isn't that remarkable? The shepherds spread the word about Christ. No one had ever done that before because Jesus had never been on earth before in human form. It was the first time it ever happened. The shepherds went down into Bethlehem and they dashed around the town telling everybody the good news of what had happened. The Messiah had come. When they'd finished telling everybody, do you know what they did then? Well, 
They went back and told even more people. Nobody in Bethlehem was safe from their enthusiasm, their, their vigour. They just couldn't wait to tell people. You can almost imagine the people in Bethlehem saying, oh no, look out, it's those shepherds again, telling us about Christ, the Messiah. Tremendous characters. But after the second chapter of Luke, the shepherds disappear. We hear nothing of them again. They drift out of the Bible and into history. They'd done their job. They had served God in their generation. And their lives would never be the same again. And our lives were never to be the same because of the arrival of the Christ. I often think about the shepherds, these men sitting on that hillside, blinded and dazzled by the light, going down into, a, into the town, into a, a stable or a cave, whatever it was, and seeing the infant child. And I think, what do they feel? What do they think? What was it like for them? Those men on a hillside 2,000 years ago, men with no name, but filled with faith, filled with joy, and filled with hope. Twenty twenty, what a year it's been. We've had a global pandemic, the tragic death of George Floyd, Extinction Rebellion, Black Lives Matter, and now in true 2020 style, we're ending the year with Brexit dominating the headlines. And you may be thinking it's strange timing for us as a church to be doing a series on hope with the year that most of us have had with COVID. It, has, it hasn't felt like we've had much hope, and even the hope we have been given feels quite short-lived. I don't know how you reacted to the news about the vaccine, but for me it felt like there was finally a light at the end of the tunnel. It felt like the whole nation breathed a collective sigh of relief. But straight away in the press conference afterwards, we were told to be cautious. We were told we're not out of the woods yet and that the rollout would take a long time. And again, with the exciting news that we could spend five days this Christmas with our family, we were told straight away that this would come at the cost of tightening of restrictions in January, probably. I read a book recently uh, that said that the average person on earth today is exposed to more bad news in a week than someone a hundred years ago would have been exposed to in their entire lifetime. And I think this year more than ever, we've probably found that the news can make us feel a bit hopeless. In this series of Thrill of Hope, as a church, we're looking at the Christmas story, the birth of Jesus and how it gave a hope to the people who were there. Yet we're also claiming that this story from 2,000 years ago gives us a hope that's relevant for us today and a hope that can't be lost, an unshakable hope. I'm aware they're big claims and throughout this series we've been looking at those claims and trying to address them and today hopefully we can dig in and look at them a little bit more. We're going to be looking specifically at the three wise men in the Christmas story and seeing the hope that they had. So if you have a Bible, you can turn with me to Matthew 2, as we've just had read to us. Um, but, and if you don't have a Bible, you can just Google Matthew 2 and follow along uh, with me. 
So the first few verses say this. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? It's quite clear that the wise men had a strong belief that the King of the Jews was at the end of the journey. We don't fully know how. It was probably because of an Old Testament prophecy uh, or the fact that they were actually Magi. The story never refers to them as kings or wise men like we do today. And Magi study the stars. It's subtle, I know. Um, and they study the stars, but not only that, they, they link it to, they link the stars to events that are happening. Uh, so we don't fully know how they knew it, but what we do know is that the hope that King Jesus was at the end of the journey was enough for them to travel to Jerusalem. And again, we're not told much about where they travelled from. Most scholars who have studied the Bible a lot more than me say that they came from Persia. And Persia is about 800 miles from Jerusalem where they got to. And again, we, we don't know how they got there. They probably travelled via camels. Um, and after a quick Google, it seems that you can travel about 20 to 25 miles a day on a camel. So I make that about a 40 day journey from Persia to Jerusalem. I don't know about you, but I feel like we can't relate to that at all. We can't relate to a 40 day journey. I think like the worst journey some of us have probably been on is when we've headed maybe to like Gatwick Airport and we've been stuck in traffic and it's taken like eight hours to get there. Or maybe a time you were stuck in bumper, bumper tra bumper to bumper traffic uh, on a motorway. But to relate to a 40 day journey is so hard for us. And I think I was thinking about it, like in current times, we're so disconnected from process and, and disconnected from things that take a long time. We have microwave meals, we can buy pre-chopped veg, we can contact anyone in the world instantly and we have fast food, which is fast. So we can't really imagine travelling for 40 days. Like 800 miles is from here in South Wales to Berlin, which is for us is like a two hour flight. So it's amazing that they would have travelled 40 days to Jerusalem and then obviously they go back via a different route. So it probably would have been like a hundred day trip all around. It would have taken a lot of their energy. The, the trip would have been quite expensive, probably. I'd imagine they maybe left their family. Um, and we find later on in the story, they even disobeyed orders from King Herod. And last but not least, it was probably quite an uncomfortable journey being on camels. I went on a camel for about 10 minutes before, and it is not an enjoyable experience at all. So I think it probably looked a little bit crazy to the people around them. You can imagine them on this 40 day journey from Persia, the people they bumped into on the way going, oh, where are you guys heading? And they would have said, oh, we're just following this star. Um, we're going to go and see if the king of the Jews is there. And they'd be like, what, you're following a star? Like, what, are you crazy? And they'd be like, yeah, yeah, we're going. And, and then they would have been asked, how, how far have you traveled? And they're like, oh, well, we've done around 700 miles so far. It just would have sounded crazy to the people around them. It seems crazy that they were willing to go that far, but it's clear in the first few verses that they were willing to do it because they had this hope that the newly born King Jesus was going to be there. In the next section of the story, you find that their arrival in Jerusalem caused quite a stir. King Herod was threatened that there was talk of there being another king. And he was so worried that he sent his chief priests and teachers of the law out to find out where Jesus was born. The chief priests came back to him in verse 5 and verse 6 and they say, It's written by the prophet that he's born in Bethlehem in Judea. And I find this really interesting that they say it's because of what was written by the prophet, which is in the book of Micah in the Bible. And that's around 700 years earlier that that was written. 
compared to where we are today in Jerusalem in this moment. And I just find these moments in the Bible, I think they're so underrated that something that was written 700 years earlier then becomes true because Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea. So the wise men embarked on their final six miles of their 800 mile journey. And I just find it interesting to compare their response to Jesus being born, traveling all the way from Persia and comparing it to the religious people's response to the chief priests and to King Herod. King Herod and and his religious leaders were just six miles away from Judea all along. They were so close to where Jesus, God in human flesh, was born. They were really close to him. God was so, so close. Yet Herod was more interested in keeping his power, in maintaining his lifestyle, probably quite a comfortable lifestyle. And the chief priests were probably distracted by their own lives too. God was really close, but they missed him. And I wonder if it's similar for us today, whether there's things in our lives that in our lives that cause us to miss him or cause us not to find him, whether that's for the first time we're looking or for the hundredth. It might be that we don't think God is real or you don't think that he's relevant to us today. Uh, Or it might just be that things in life are crazy busy, work gets in the way. I know for me, the things in my life that stop me pursuing him more are things like social media and stuff that takes my attention and causes me to be distracted. And I spend way too much time doing those things. But I believe and my experience is that God is close and it's not just that he's close. I also think he wants to be found. There's a big star leading them to him. That's why he came to earth in the first place is because he wants us to find him. And in the next part of the story in verse 11, uh, it says this, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshipped him and gave their gifts. We can see they found him. They did find Jesus. And when they got there and they saw this baby, they worshipped him. Now, I don't think there's a particularly normal response to a baby, but in this case, they realised they were right. They realised that this baby was the king of the Jews and that he was worthy. And so they worshipped him. And that's what billions of people throughout history have also experienced, that they went searching for God, they found him, and they realized that he was worthy. And so just to close, uh, I find it amazing that the three wise men were willing to do all of that, that long journey, just because of the hope that they'd find Jesus at the destination. Because I think it's different for us today. We have this offer from God that he wants to be with us on the journey. He's not just at the destination like he was for the wise men, But he wants to be with us today. He wants to be our friend. He wants to come alongside us and do life with us. And I think that's what the Christmas story is all about. That's what this series, The Thrill of Hope, is all about. That Jesus was born and he was called Emmanuel, which means God with us. The one who healed the sick, who fed the hungry, who raised the dead, who died for our sins, who rose from the dead himself. He wants to be with us. He wants to come into our lives. And no matter how hard this year has been, no matter how dark your thoughts have got, he wants to bring a permanent, unshakable hope into our lives. A hope that can't be shaken by what's going on around us. And that's the invitation this Christmas. There's a verse in the Bible in Revelation 3 verse 20 that says this. 
Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. That's the invitation this Christmas. He's standing at the door knocking, but the handle is on the inside. It's up to us whether we open the door to let the one in who wants to thrill us with hope.